SFF Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Garcia. And today, guys, I'll be bringing you up uh, some Honda Challenge updates and also a little bit more of an update on the Project Gloomy, the EG race car. Um, and also talk to you a little bit about um, a little bit of an epiphany that I had. Um, to some of you, this is kind of like a no-brainer, but, you know, I, at least for me, I felt like it felt significant enough for me to go ahead and, uh, talk about it. So, without further ado, um, let's go ahead and start, um, what is my favorite soundbite, and of course, um... I think many people's uh, favorite soundbite, which is... Honda Challenge! (laughs) So, I actually have an update of an update, so this is going to be actually pretty good. So, last time, um, last Honda Challenge update, we had the race um in texas that i didn't uh pretty much cover i think this was the 29th if i'm ah damn it why do not do i not have those results up here i should have had them up i think i should have had them i had them well anyways so um, I believe it was the 29th, um, uh, for NASA Texas. And I reached out to Dane Bird because, um, I saw that he had, um, not finished. So I was kind of wondering like, Hey, what, what happened? Cause it looked like, um, and what was it? The second day, um, he, he did not, um, get any points. So that to me looked like a DNF. And after, and sure enough, after talking to Dane Bird, um, he told me that he had overheating issues and that it seems like it's going to be a head gasket issue. So kind of a rough um, go ahead with that one. And, uh, you know, Dane's uh, engine has been running uh, pretty good for a long time. And that B16 has been uh, putting in work. So, um yeah, I don't think he's really done a lot of work to that engine, so uh, hopefully it's uh, not uh, so bad that it warped uh, the block, but hopefully it's just a, you know, head job and um, a quick little reclean and um, leveling and a new head gasket. Hopefully that's all it is, so uh, sending all the positive vibes out there uh, for Dane, and uh, looking forward to the next event for them, and let me just double check, because I think it's MSR Houston, um, which is going to be the next event for um, for them, uh, oh no, incorrect, uh, MSR Houston is the one that they just did. So coming up next for Texas region is going to be MSR Crescent, March 3rd and 5th. So if you're out there and want to see some people, hopefully Dane can get the car uh, turned around, even though that's kind of a quick uh, turnaround. But knowing them, um, especially the Texas crew, um, they they all uh, rallied together. So that's... Um, 
yeah, that's a little bit of an update of a previous update of why uh, Dane Bird uh, didn't really show up on the second day. So that being said, I am recording uh, on the Sunday and I was just waiting to hear um, and see any uh, updates on the Southeast, which did have um they they did have a race out there and we're gonna go over it a little bit so a little bit of a spicy result um in terms of what's it called the um god now i'm losing my train of thought (laughs) so a little bit of a spicy result because we saw some uh people that were higher up that uh did not um oh looks like we got baxter coming in the little studios here probably wants to give his uh two cents on it but yeah so uh on saturday um for honda challenge h1 we had kevin hennings uh who took first place in uh saturday's race with car number 109 uh second place william hunter with car number 305 and this is Honda Challenge H1. Um, third place, um, car number eight, uh, Rob Oxford. And it looks like really Kevin Hennings was on one because he ended up doing a 143. And second and third place were almost three seconds behind him. So, man, Kevin was uh, definitely uh, on one. And then in fourth place, we had car number 17, Brett mcwarther i'm gonna go ahead and say warther is uh what i'm gonna go ahead and say that pronunciation is so but where i thought it was a little bit of a spicy result was a honda challenge 2 so of course um we had a couple people who are who if you listen to the podcast you would have heard of which is Jason Scarborough and Michael Kramer, um, were in Honda Challenge H2. So how did they stack up on Saturday? And it turns out uh, John Putnam, car number 628 and Integra, walked away with the win. And again, a really fast lap of uh, 147. So to give you an idea, that was only one second off of the second and third place uh, finishers of, uh, well, no, to be fair, that was like about a full second off of uh, Rob Oxford in the H1. So John Putnam was on one. He was definitely pu- pushing. So I don't know if he's running a Type R or a GSR, but definitely really impressive to see him uh, putting down a 147.7 uh, in the race. So first place, car 628. Uh, John Putnam, uh, second place, uh, Team Moore Door, <laughs> 181. Um, and I really like this. Uh, I, of course, you guys know that I'm a fan of uh, EG uh, chassis, and uh, Four Door was actually my first car, so I always have a little soft spot for them. Um, oh, looks like Baxter's leaving. Um, so yeah. Uh, 149, not bad, um, giving him second place, um, in the 
four-door uh, Civic EG. And then in third place, our own uh, Michael Kramer in the 171 car with a lap time of 149.8. So definitely looking for a little bit more pace and uh, being able to go out there. But then again, you know, John Putnam being only one second off of those uh, those probably S2000s, uh, to be honest. I don't, I don't know if there's any other car... Um, or any other chassis running H1 in, in um, Southeast. But, yeah, um, that that's still pretty damn quick if you really look at it. And then um, in fourth place, uh, past guest, uh, Jason Scarborough. Now, Jason has just uh, finished doing a K-swap to his... Uh, four-door ek so i am really excited to see what are his thoughts of it and um if he's had any kind of growing pains so yeah i'll definitely be reaching out to mr scarborough out there and seeing like uh what are his thoughts and i know that he still has a lot of development uh to deal with the car and uh yeah it's pretty dope to see him uh back on the horse so i'm really excited and i'm hoping that he makes it out to uh, Nationals as well. And in the car, uh, bringing up fifth place, car number zero, Will McKenzie, um, did a 154, so definitely needing a little bit more pace to get into the show with everybody else, but that's something I know very well. So moving on to the sunday race now here's again where i talk about this whole little spicy thing john putnam fire results on saturday but on honda challenge uh two he didn't show up so i was just like well what what is going on why like that's that's definitely um kind of like well, what's going on? And then uh, for Honda Challenge 1, we have again uh, the leader or winner of the first race who did like an awesome lap time is not on there. So I have no idea if it was a mechanical. It's definitely something I need to look into to see. Uh, I guess uh, next week I'll do a update on the update. Um, but yeah, Kevin Hennings, not in the not in the podium at all it looks like he may have suffered a mechanical after the race or something so for honda challenge on saturday which was uh the 19th of february uh we have brick uh brett uh mcwerther in car number 17 with a really fast lap of uh 144 um not as fast as uh Kevin Hennings, but still a uh, pretty, pretty quick lap. And then we have in second place, uh, car number 305, William Hunter, um, putting down a 146, a uh, high 146. And then in third place, car number eight, Rob Oxford. So William Hunter, um, consistently in second, uh, Rob Oxford consistently in third, but Breck, <clears throat> I guess he, he just got, you know, something and just like fired up through the, through the ranks and just killed it and went from last to first. 
uh, from freaking Saturday to Sunday. So, yeah, shout out to that guy. That's really impressive. Not sure what happened there. Um, and, again, usually when you have a, a well-set-up car and a well-set-up driver, they're pretty consistent in terms of results. So it's not very often that you see last place jump up to first place on the next day. Um, so... Yeah, it's uh, definitely some spicy stuff was going on out there. Don't know if it was, uh, you know, car went off or whatever, and uh, he was able to capitalize it or caught him sleeping at the start. Don't know, but yeah. Um, for Honda Challenge 2, um, we have, again, spicy, spicy results. Um, Team Mordor, car 181 taking out the uh, first place position with a lap time of a 149. Still pretty quick. It looks like the pace went down a little bit more uh, from from Saturday to Sunday. It looks like a full second slower. So that's also what I'm seeing in Honda Challenge H H1. So maybe um, it got a little bit hotter. Who knows? Um, and in second place, Michael Kramer. Uh, with the 171 car with a lap time of 150 so definitely um you know staying pretty consistent in terms of his uh, lap times um then we have a uh, car number in third place car number zero will mckenzie and i mean will mckenzie moved up from fifth place all the way to the podium position uh from Saturday to Sunday, so shout out to him. And then uh, Jason Scarborough coming in last. And, you know, he did a faster lap time than Will McKenzie, but just wasn't enough to um, hunt him down. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it definitely seems like there was something going on because, again, really spicy results to see a car uh, jump up from last place to first place in terms of H1. And then, of course, seeing everybody, um, kind of the, kind of the slowing down of pace, um, from Saturday to Sunday, it looked like it across the board from each one of those, uh, each one of those, uh, classes, everybody went down like about a second. So it could, it could be, um, something related to the temperature or, Maybe everybody was already, like, uh, burning through their tires. So, yeah. Um, also, like, you know, the consistency is going to be key right there. Because even though you can win um, one race, and let's say, like, and for for the example of Mr. Putnam, if you could go balls out and win the first race um that's great and everything but if you break your car and are not able to race the second day then you know it hurts you in terms of points and to give you uh, an explanation in terms of the points wise how it works out if you get first place in um in a race uh at least with nasa uh it's 100 points per day so you can literally finish like fifth both days and you'll get the same amount of points if you just ran 
in one one day so consistency is key so kramer's looking good um being consistent and you know this whole fluctuation up there all that really does is um make it so that the people who are very consistent um stay um pretty high in the lead in the leaderboard so consistency is key and you know that's gonna be it <laughs> kind of my plan of attack for regional championships because uh you know um still still off pace um i don't have any arrow and i don't think i'll be that big of a deal for the um what's it called the the tracks that we're running now mainly because um the tracks that we'll be running is going to be pretty much uh big willow and button willow now um auto club is not going to be ran and we haven't ran it and um yeah um i think following up um i was looking at northeast uh for their results or rather um their next event and yeah, it's going to be a while from what I can see, I think, and I have to double check, but um, for the uh, Northeast, it looks like April will be their first event at uh, Watkins Glen, I believe, so yeah, it's uh, we're going to have to wait to see what happens out there, and you know... I think one of the big uh, data points that everybody's going to be looking at is that crossover event with the uh, Northeast and Mid-Atlantic at Pit Race because that's going to be the most um, up-to-date, um, the, the most up-to-date uh, data that they're going to have for, uh, for essentially uh, the the national championship because whoever does really well there and you know we still have um jackie's uh lap record there with the b16 so we'll see if maybe somebody could break it uh on that crossover event because yeah it's uh it's still you know there's still time so it looks like april's gonna be the first event for northeast and then um, for Mid-Atlantic, it looks like March at VIR. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, some time before we see um, everybody come together. So, yeah, and I, I wanted to take a second also and shout out uh, Ronnie Vidoc because um, he's going to be racing with uh, DC Sports um as his main sponsor for uh grid life so i want to shout that guy out it's always awesome uh talking to him and you know seeing what he's doing and having sponsorship and people out there helping him uh to go out there and go fast and you know um i'm super excited to see him and uh i'll be watching the live streams and uh cheering him on so with that being said i think that's gonna make it that's going to be it for our Honda Challenge! <laughs> so, now that we have that, and of course we're going to be talking about the um, kind of 
how do you say, uh, well, I, I, I think, I think, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I might, I might, and, and, and we'll see, we'll see what happens with this. I, I think because of the a fair use clause, I, I, I think, you know, th this should be. saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on you. Shame on you. The boom, you can't get fooled again. So, with that, with that little uh, sidetracker, little um, audio blurb, um, yes, fool me once. Shame on me. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Uh, you know, once you get fooled, you can't get fooled again. <laughs> uh, so, um... I am on my third transmission. <laughs> so to do a quick recap, um, originally I have the EG, um, which is all stock. So it comes with the uh, S20 um, B000 transmission, which is uh, the EX. Um, I think the only difference between the SI and the EX from 1992 to 95 is uh, the fifth gear. Uh, yeah, the, the fifth gear is like a little bit different, but everything else is uh, final drive and um, construction is exactly the same. And then from 96 to 2000, the gearing is uh, pretty much the same between the EX or VTEC engines, the D16Y8s as the D16C6, except for um, the EGSI. I think the fifth gear is a little bit more aggressive. So, yes. Um, I went out and bought another <laughs> T-Series <laughs> transmission. And... The first transmission that was in the car, I wanted to keep in there just so that I could have a running spare. And I knew, hey, this one's good. It's working. Let's leave that one alone for the time being. And then what we'll do is buy a spare, build that one up with the new LSD and final drive, and it should work. Little did I know that, um, you know, the previous owner, maybe not the owner, maybe the guy who swapped it out for him because he said he did get case swap and they gave him back the part. Maybe the guy took some of the parts that are really rare and hard to find uh, nowadays. So, uh, yeah, there were bolts missing and uh, that thing was never going to work. And I ended up installing it and it felt like I was rowing in soup. So, after that... I went ahead and um, do what I do best, which is uh, Facebook Marketplace um, hunt like crazy and offer up no Craigslist because, you know, I'm not a boomer. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, I just, uh, I mean, Craigslist is pretty much dead, even though that's where I got my GX470. So, um Moving on from that, I got this other one, this other transmission, and it came from a person who I met, and of course, it feels like any time I buy D-Series parts, it's always in Palmcaster, 
And I know some people are going like, wait, what do you mean Palmcasters? Isn't it Lancaster or Palmdale? I'm like, yes, but they're essentially the same place, man. It's just a little bit of dirt between them. So I'm, I'm calling it Palmcaster. Uh, so yeah. Um, so Palmcaster is about a 40 minute drive away from me. I went, picked it up. Guy was super nice. Um, and I did learn from, of course, Adam Jabay, Ghostworks, and pretty much everybody else who had uh, reached out to me or talked to me when uh, I had the issue of rowing soup uh, with the transmission uh, that I installed that, hey man, you need to bench test these things before uh, you install it. And it's just like shove a screwdriver in there and force it into every gear and then see if it's going into every gear. So I got that transmission. Um, I traded like a seat rail and I uh, give like 150 bucks on top, I, I think, um, to buy that transmission. And it was really clean from the outside. And I brought it back home. He even I guess the guy who originally had it uh, cut off axles and just left the axle boots, which to me I enjoy because I run uh, AutoZone axles. And if you ever run AutoZone axles, I recommend that whatever axles you're currently using, you take those little C clips that are at the end of the axles and you keep those because those AutoZone ones and those, uh, well, Let's be fa fair. Uh, I run rock auto axles on my car. <laughs> I know some of you guys are like, what? You're running rock auto axles? I'm like, yes, $50 axles. I, I know it's not great. I know it's not. But they've been working so far, and I have another spare. So, you know, um, I, I, I bought both <laughs> rock auto axles, and now I have them uh, chilling there. So if I need it, I, I can uh, rock it, and if I don't need it, or if uh, the long one that I have uh, takes a crap, I have the um, AutoZone Lifetime, uh, you know, um, replacement. I will eventually uh, learn how to rebuild my own axles and add in uh, grease and then do the wd-40 um trick where you put it in and uh it helps you uh vent out uh heat out of the axles so that's uh something that i want to do in the future not looking forward to it i hear the nightmares about grease um getting everywhere so i'm gonna be keeping those little c-clips from the inner boots or inner um axle uh shafts and after taking apart the the transmission, you know, emptied out the fluid, it looked kind of grody, looked like, you know, used chocolate. It just, I don't know why they always look shitty, um, unless you're constantly running them. I, I don't know. I mean, D-Series, they, they live a hard life. So I took apart that uh, transmission, um, cracked the case open. I, I got really good at it, and... Popped it open and oh my god, I was shocked. When I opened it up, I swear to you guys, it looked better than the transmission that was in my EG that I have been doing, you know, good services on and, uh, you know, trying not to, you using good fluid and, um, 
Yeah, uh, it was like I didn't even have to clean it because it, it was just so clean looking. And I was just like, man, I looked at all the gears. Everything looked uh, fine. Uh, I looked at the synchros. The link synchros looked fine. wasn't wasn't crazy looking. And again, uh, when I purchased it, it I bench tested it, and it looked, and they all went normal. So. I was just like, man, this is really, really nice. Like, finally, um, one thing that was a little bit worrying was that when I opened it up, I found like little plastic chunks in there and it, it was really weird. So the only thing in my experience, short experience working with those uh, transmissions is that the only plastic thing that I can think of in that um, in that transmission is the little gear from the Speedo gear. So I think maybe um, someone broke a Speedo gear and then, um, I don't know, they, uh, they re replaced it because I took the Speedo gear out and, you know, that one... is perfectly fine. And again, that the transmission that I bought was came with those vss or vehicle speed sensor so um man like that part alone is it can be like 60 to 80 bucks on uh ebay so i was very happy with that and you know i went through looked at it as best as i could and you know it, it just all looked really good except for the random little plastic chunks so i took them out i opened up the case um took out the little um metal guide that goes into the one of the um i i guess it's one of the little plastic grommets or not really plastic they're made out of uh nylon um and i took that out cleaned it um put it back in there there's the one that feeds uh I believe that one that's on the conical side of the um, transmission. So when you put the little hat back on uh, the transmission, the part that doesn't have all the gears in it, um, there's one little uh, like vinyl grommet or oil feed um, thing. And, and that guy, um, it it was a little dirty and I found like a little piece of plastic chunk. And again, it's just like, it feels like these little beats, like pieces of ABS plastic. So I don't know. It was weird, but either way, I'm really happy that I opened it up, took it all out, um, through, um, pulled out the magnet in there, cleaned that out. So I'm going to go ahead and, um, uh, Put everything back on there. There is one of the casing bolts uh, that's missing. I know I'm supposed to wait um, 24 hours for the Honda Bond thing to cure. And then I'll go ahead and uh, torque everything down. Um, so that it can make a good gasket seal or whatever. Um, so I'll go ahead and torque it down uh, tomorrow. I am missing one bolt. Uh, from that transmission um, to bolt down the conical side, the little cone-shaped uh, part, onto the rest of the transmission. So I, I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. 
it's in a fair i'll move it around uh the missing bolt um to make sure that it's in a spot that i can easily reach reach to so I'll, I'll try and make sure to make things easy for myself and then i'll just go ahead and torque those bolts down to the factory spec of i believe it's uh 26 foot pounds um so yeah and one little fancy boy thing that i am doing um i'd like to hear from anybody here who has done this is i did see that um i think they're called the d10 uh springs on the um uh on the transmission so it's like the little spring that holds uh the ball bearing um that goes on the selectors for the uh shifters i i did order the hybrid ra uh hybrid uh racing ones and they state that they should only be used on the 96 to 2000 and i think that's because they use steel forks and i think that um increase in spring pressure would probably cause damage on the aluminum forks that are out there but for the time being i think i'm gonna look forward to having a, a nice crisp uh uh transmission and shifter field to see um you know how, how it feels i i think my shifter on mine um overall i've i think i've gotten um kind of like 95 percent of all the things that i could do to make it um you know shift and feel really nice uh i think with the fast line shifter you know it, it's honestly my favorite shifter and the eg is just like perfect with it and those uh 30 amazon motor mounts that i have uh have really done a good job in stiffening up the uh motor so the engine doesn't wiggle around like crazy and uh yeah so i'm i'm excited to put that on there um hopefully um i know carlos has been hitting me up and letting me know uh like you know in terms of trying to get that transmission done and again dude like all all the love for those people and anybody who's willing to help you out because i mean carlos is just offering to help me out and you know it's hard uh, when you reach out to people for help and um, to have somebody that's willing to help you. It's, it's really nice. And yeah, so uh, I'm very thankful um, to have that. And I know I also, and I think for the transmission up until now, that's where it is. It's curing right now. I'll go go back downstairs uh, tomorrow and torque the thing down. And um, that one should be pretty much ready to install. I think I can do the D10 spin, uh, pins fairly easily um, with, with the transmission in the car. Um, obviously, it would be way easier if I'm able to do them with the transmission not in the car. Because it's just way easier. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I think I sprained my wrist, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, try not to work on it for the next two or maybe three days. Um, I'll, I'll just probably, uh, torque it and that'll, that'll be it for me. Um, so yeah, I alluded to kind of doing something out of, uh, out of character for me. So 
Most people that know me, um, I, I like to consider myself one of the most cost-effective people out there. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I know that it's like a mentality thing with me that I prefer, or rather, not prefer, but I am okay with accepting more struggle um, in the sake of saving some money. And obviously... Obviously, that goes without saying. So, while I was taking the transmission out, I noticed that uh, the temp sensor um, towards the head, the two um, wires going into the temp sensor plug on the harness side were frayed as crazy. And I'm like, dude, this is going to cause some sort of headache later in the future. And it's better that I get ahead of it now. So when I had the opportunity, I went to the junkyard and cut out another connector because those things were like frayed right where it meets the actual connector on the harness side. So there's like no way I was going to save them. And sure enough, when I like moved the, moved the connector back um, so that I could start like trying to uh, cut it out, the, the freaking... Um, the, the wires just snapped right at the base. So it was good that I um, got another one. And I mean, those wires were so hard because of how many heat cycles this engine's probably gone through. And <clears throat> I didn't have a good uh, wire stripper. Um, so, of course, you know, uh, me being cheap, I grabbed a little bit of a plier and I was using a razor blade and I was trying to cut the insulation, but it's like at a weird angle and I had to like go underneath from like where the distributor was and I disconnected a bunch of other stuff to try and get the harness to move back. So I do have some room from, um, from being, uh, from not having the transmission there, but it's still kind of like a a pain in the ass uh, to do it. And I was struggling and I'm like, dude, I'm going to cut myself. Like I already know this. Like, you know, when you're, you're just doing something and you're just like, man, this is, this is dumb. And I'm like, let me just go and buy a freaking wire stripper. And of course there's so many of those, like your typical five to $10 one, um, wire stripper where it's like, you just, they, they essentially look like, um, was it, uh, diagonal cutters, uh, but with little hole inserts so that you could cut the, the wire. And I'm like, I kind of don't want to like cut and tug on the harness because it's old and I don't know if I'm going to like rip something. And I saw at Harbor Freight, like the 20, $25, doyle heavy duty wire stripper and cutter so it's the one where uh, it like scissors open and in the each one of these like left and right hand scissors it has like one that grips and the other one that has like a cutting um a cutting mouth um so that it's able to pull the wire off and cut it at the same time and normally i would not buy it because i i don't like spending money but, you know, I started thinking about, like, you know, how much money am I really saving versus how much headaches I'm really dealing with. 
And, you know, when I got the tool, I was just like, man, I probably spent too much on this. I could have, like, struggled a little bit and not dealt with it. And I got back, and it was it was actually still kind of hard to get the thing on there. So, but once I got it to clamp on and stripped it, dude, it was so easy. So I really enjoyed getting that one. So if you're looking at these... <laughs> um let me see is there a freaking part number but i really enjoyed using this product because uh i don't know well here we go so here's the SKU number for it is uh five six two six six so it's a doyle heavy duty wire stripper and cutter it's 25 bucks and you know it just made it simple and it it got me thinking of like you know when you get something that's like, obviously the right tool makes things easier, but also it makes you like more likely to work on other stuff as well. Like once you get, um, like for me, um, I'm really, um, sensitive to momentum when you're working on something. Like once I get something done and if it goes well and it works out well then i'm like okay let's do another thing let's do another thing and you know sometimes spending that like four or five bucks extra uh obviously that wasn't four or five bucks extra because the one that i was looking at getting was probably like freaking maybe five to seven dollars or whatever so it was a significant amount higher but once i had that i'm like you know i felt like okay i could do the other thing and you know, I, I bought the little vinyl um, tape uh, so that I can wrap it up and make it look at least a little bit nicer so that it's not uh, have that, like, lame, hard um, plastic thing. And I'm going to go and use this vinyl tape that I bought off of Amazon to kind of clean up uh, little parts of the engine harness where it's not, like, the wires are kind of exposed and don't have any insulating on there. But it's, like... You know, so much of it is kind of like a mental thing of, like, if you have a positive experience, it pushes you to do more. And I know this is something that I've even seen with, like, people that I always look up to um, in terms of, like, you know, just people that I look up to when it comes to working on stuff. And that's definitely, like, my buddy Calvin and my buddy uh, Jeff Jones, who... Um, you know, he, he just had his birthday. So shout out to that guy. You know, he's only 53 and he, he doesn't look a day over 53. So shout out to that man. Um, and <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm addicted to that guy. Um, but it's only cause I've known him for so long and he's such an awesome person. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give him hell for that. Um, and again, he's also doing, um, him and his friend are another drifter are doing, um, a podcast called what to drift and they've been killing it, man. They're working pretty hard and doing like clips and stuff again, making me feel kind of bad. <laughs> so, um, the, the little, I, I guess the, um, I guess the moral of that one is like spend a little bit extra and make your life a little bit easier because then that's just going to keep you 
in a positive position to try and get more stuff done. And, you know, that that kind of momentum is uh, important. At least for me it is because, you know, I have to do a lot of the work, um, most of the work myself. So, yeah, um, definitely do things that are going to make your, your life a little bit easier and, uh, you know, try and keep that momentum uh, going. Um I obviously did not go to the um, Chuck Walla uh, event, and neither did really any other Honda Challenger racers go out to the event. So it looks like, at least for us, um, the next event, which I I mean, I would ideally really want to have the final drive and the LSD uh, done and broken in, because there's a break-in procedure for that one. It's going to be March 25th and 26th. I really want to get that transmission in there. But if not, I will still have um, the... I will still have the um, spare transmission. And, you know, I still have a lot of work to do um, in terms of getting my pace up. Maybe I won't be as competitive, but I think I have a consistent enough vehicle. And if, uh, you know, I'm paying attention to the same things that I'm saying, if I can stay consistent um, both days, even though I may not get a win or may not be in the podium, if I can stay consistent and if people are inconsistent at the top, it bodes uh, very well for me. It's, you know, I have to stay out there. I have to learn. I have to improve. Uh, Carlos showed me that he's four seconds faster than I am out on track with my car. So there's definitely more, uh, more to be improved upon, even with the current setup that I have. So yeah, uh, March 25th and 26th is when I'm hoping to have the car ready for that day. And, um, yeah, another thing I'm going to be fixing on the car that we didn't have uh, working was uh, comms. I ordered another harness because one of the plugs seems damaged. So I'll have to work on that to make sure that we have comms. Because uh, here in SoCal, when someone goes off, there's a giant dirt cloud. And if my fiance could tell me, like, hey, stay inside. The car's on the outside. I could stay flat. And other cars don't have uh, comms out there. It can be very helpful. So, yeah. With that, guys, you know, treat yourself well. Um, make sure you're taking care of people. And if you're in the tri-state area and need any race uh, services or mechanical work, hit up the homie Sefer. Um, he's always down to help you guys out. And he's a freaking wizard when it comes to electrical stuff and wiring. So if you need help with... One of the things that I hate the most, hit that man up and he'll be more than happy to help you out. And with that, guys, I will see you next Monday. Mm -hmm.